Good evening, this is Three Valleys Radio. It's Friday night, that means it's time for the Bresbat Racing Show. On the show tonight we've got our usual array of fixtures and news. Colin Brown goes down memory lane. We've also got our weekly roundup with Nick Schofield, Jamie Snowden, Milton Harris and Paddy Brennan. I'm hoping to catch up with Ben Clark after his stunning victory at uh, Haydock on Saturday with the Galloping Bear. Add to that Colin Brown and Dave Wilson with their tips for the weekend and we hope we've got the complete show for you. As usual, we're going to kick off with all the news with Mike Patton. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's Racing News. With all the news that is the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. Here's our first story today. Nicky Henderson on Monday hailed Shiskin slick jumping as he anticipated another monster clash with Energamine in the Betway Queen Mother Champion Chase at the Cheltenham Festival in four weeks. Henderson paraded the strapping eight-year-old at his famous Seven Barrows Yard on Monday morning when the media were in attendance to get the lowdown on his team for the festival. In Shiskin, Henderson has a horse who won the Supreme Novices Hurdle in 2020 and landed the Arkle last year. He's 4-7 to seven to win the champion chase and was last seen repelling the Willie Mullins-trained Energamine in a Clarence House chase epic at Ascot in January. Henderson said, There's no way he can be a banker. That was a fantastic race, and everybody loved it bar Willie Mullins. It was great we came out in front, but there wasn't much in it, and he had us in trouble. Shiskin is a tough horse, and Willie's going to chuck in the Chasson Paul Soir, whom you don't want to underestimate. I know they'll say he doesn't travel or do this or that, but he can still be a big player. Anything can happen. It's two months later although going left-handed possibly helps us. There's not much in it. The Clarence House doesn't seem to have left a mark. He's in very good form. He hasn't scored since. He doesn't need to, but will. Henderson would assume the outright record of seven champion chase successes if Shiskin strikes and he is bidding to follow the hoofprints of the stable's previous star two milers, Sprinter Saker and Altiol. The trainer added, in his jumping, he hasn't got the exuberance of a sprinter saker or Altior in the way he doesn't stand out and stand off a fence miles away. But you hardly notice he leaves the ground. He's boop and then gone. He's very quick from A to B and you don't notice it. Sprinter and Altior both had enormous scope. This horse has bags of scope, but he crosses a fence in a very different manner and is very efficient. He's grown up a lot this season and grew upwards and outwards over the summer. It was very noticeable. In their era, Sprinter and Altior probably were bankers, but we've definitely got a fight on our hands. You'd like to think that Hill will play to his strengths. Willie says he doesn't know how he'll beat us, but I think he's playing games there. 
I think he's looking forward to having another crack, and I don't think that he's frightened. I'd love to have won at Ascot by twenty lengths, and it was a great race, the one everybody wanted, and it hasn't spoilt the champion chase. There's very much room for round two. And our next story, here on the Racing News. Newmarket MP Matt Hancock is to front a march next month against controversial plans to put a solar farm on the Cambridgeshire-Suffolk border, which would impact on some of the town's most famous training grounds. The former Health Secretary has joined the fight to stop developers Sunica putting solar panels across 2,800 acres of largely arable land, the size of 2,115 football pitches, which would make it the biggest such installation in Britain. As well as Hancock and South East Cambridgeshire MP Lucy Fraser, racing bodies such as the Jockey Club, Tattersalls and Godolphin are already opposed to the plans which were criticised last week by Suffolk County Council. Hancock said, My view is that Sunnycare have tried to hide the fact this is a massive battery farm with all the dangers that come from that. It's been very badly done and needs to be stopped. I'm a big supporter of solar energy, and I've supported solar farms in my constituency when they're in the right place. But this is like a horseshoe around several villages which will turn them from rural settlements into semi-industrial zones. One section of the farm would border training grounds such as the lime kilns and railway land, as well as Godolphin's Chippenham Hill facility. Hancock added, there would be significant impact on Newmarket itself, as one section is directly opposite the Lime Kilns, which is one of the most famous training grounds in the world, and one of the reasons that Newmarket is preeminent as a flat racing centre, which is incredibly important. The Say No to Sunica Action Group was first formed in 2020, and Hancock is to join a march on March the 20th from Milden Hall to the village of Worlington, which is one of the areas that will be surrounded by the proposed installation. He said, I will be at the front of the march, and I hope we will have a big turnout to show what the people think about this development and how they feel they've been treated. He added, all you need to know about Sunica is that when we held a public meeting together with Lucy Fraser, they didn't even bother turning up. They've treated residents with contempt all along in their high-handed, arrogant manner. Plans to build the solar farm are currently with the planning inspectorate for examination. In time, the inspectorate will make a recommendation to the Secretary of State for Business Energy and Industrial Strategy for a decision in spring 2023. Suffolk County Council has also voiced its opposition to the plans. Councillor Richard Rout, Deputy Leader and Cabinet Member for Finance and Environment said, Suffolk County Council is totally committed to renewable energy and it plays a key role in our climate change pledge. Unfortunately, we cannot support this solar farm because the size of the development hasn't been justified and the fact that the planning application is seriously flawed. Amongst many things, it fails to assess the full range of harm to the landscape and surrounding area. If consented, Sonica will permanently change the character of a unique part of Suffolk, which has been shaped by agriculture and horse racing. A spokesperson for Sonica said, We are bringing forward our proposals to meet an urgent national need for new sources of renewable energy generation. Our site selection process and assessments have found the sites to be a suitable location for a solar development of this size.
And our next story here on the Racing News. David Christie is seeking a first success at the Cheltenham Festival next month and the county for Manor-based trainer believes wing leader is unquestionably his best chance yet in what he described as, quote, his gold cup, the St James Palace Festival Hunter's Chase. Winged leader is generally a 5-1 to one shot, although only 4-1 to one with Coral, and the only horse shorter than him in the market is the two-time runner-up, Billaway, whom he beat easily by 12 lengths at Thurls last month. That piece of form is hard to knock, and winged leader has won his last five starts in a row, between point-to-point and hunter chases. Christie is getting excited for the big race on March the 18th, he said. When you specialise in something like I do with Hunter Chasers, the race at Cheltenham is my gold cup. That's the race I want to win most, and I definitely think this is my best chance yet. This is the first time I have a live chance going over. I say that, but I know what happens. You think you have a live chance going to Cheltenham, and then when you get over there you realise you have no chance. Christie added, Winged leader is very good and it's all systems go for Cheltenham with him now. He's in great form, and the one thing I will say is that he's versatile with regard to the ground. He's won on bottomless ground at Down Royal, and you saw how well he handled decent ground at Thurles last time. It doesn't really matter to him what the weather does. It's been a fairly dry winter up till recently, so there could be a lot of rain coming, and that won't bother him. He won't run again between now and Cheltenham, He's shown me already this season that I can get him ready off the back of a long enough break, so we're going straight to there. He's a more mature horse now, and easier to ride. I think he'll come on again from Thurles. Christie could be double-handed in the race, as Vorselet will also have an injury. He won the champion novices hunter's chase at Stratford last May, and his trainer warned not to read too much into his effort at Down Royal over Christmas when he was a beaten favourite. The trainer said, Vorselet is a good horse, but he wanted nicer ground and a longer trip than he got at Down Royal. The two of them will be entered, and they both could run, but I'd say winged leader would be in pole position at the moment. And our final story here on the Racing News. Hillcrest looks likely to stay over three miles for his next assignment, but trainer Henry Daly is adamant Saturday's impressive Haydock winner has the gears to be a grade one performer over a shorter trip. The giant son of Stowaway shrugged off the ill fortune of being knocked out of the race by the fall of Harpers Brook at Cheltenham last month with an eight-length defeat of Crystal Glory after which bookmakers slashed his odds for the Albert Bartlett at Cheltenham. That win formed the centrepiece of a fine treble on the day for Daly, who also scored with Randolph's Grand National hopeful Fortescue and Guillemot at Ascot. Of Hillcrest, who carries the colours of late Trevor Hemmings, Daly said, He's got the most fantastic mind for racing and nothing much bothers him. Once you've got that on side, it doesn't half make my job easier. It really didn't bother him, unseating at Cheltenham, and when we schooled him the next week, he just couldn't give us stuff, which is a great place to be with him. What's different about him is I think we could drop back to two and a half if we need to. The last two runs he's completed have been in exceptional times in comparison with the other races on the day. On Saturday, he was quicker than the Rendlesham by quite a long way and the Petomps qualifier, 
and it was the same on New Year's Day at Cheltenham over two and a half. Expanding on that theme, Daly added, He might look it, but he's not slow. He just has a tremendous gallop. I don't think two and a half is a big issue, but it's also pretty obvious three went pretty well. Coral and Ladbrokes are best priced at 8-1 to one about Hillcrest for the Albert Bartlett, and while Daly and Racing Manager McMeher will also consider the option of waiting for Aintree, the seven-year-old was also reported in bright form on Sunday. I wouldn't think he needs to do both festivals, said Daly. He appeared not to have a particularly hard race at Haydock, which is great. Tom, who looks after him, said he only blew afterwards for five or seven minutes, which, on that ground over three miles, is very good. Daly would love to run Swinley Chase winner Fortescue in the National, but is resigned to an anxious wait to see if he gets in. He was allotted a rating of 143, leaving him at number 67 on the list for a race with a 40-runner maximum. Daly said, I went to the weights lunch and when they came out I was counting down and went, oh, I have a feeling that he'll either get in by one or miss it by two because that's the law of sod, isn't it? I would love to run him in it, but I just have that feeling that it's not going to go according to plan. A lot will come out after Cheltenham, Mr O'Leary takes out Tiger Roll and it will be very tight. He gives every impression of the race being right for him. This has been the Racing News for this week, with all the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post, and The Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden, thanks for joining us, and join us again next time. Now let's have a look, see where we can go racing this weekend. Right, well there are eight races on the flat at Lingfield, uh, with a one o'clock start. There are seven races over the jumps at Chepstow, 108 start. Seven races over the jumps at Kempton, 115 start. Seven races over the jumps at Newcastle, 135 start. And eight races on the flat on the all-weather at Chelmsford, with a 440 start. And on Sunday, there are seven races at Fontwell, with a 150 start, seven races at Hereford with a 210 start, and seven races at Nuss in Ireland with a 230 start. Now, last week, when uh, a certain horse called the Galloping Bear won the um, Haydock Grand National Trial, ITV got very excited about the emergence of a new trainer. Um, who's a guy called Ben Clark, who trains the Galloping Bear. Well, I was as well, because it was a very impressive win. And when I looked into it, they said, oh, he's in Chard in Somerset, which, of course, is very close to where we are based. But in actual fact, he was a lot closer. He's about three miles up the road. So I went to see Ben Clark yesterday, and this is what he had to tell me. Well, Ben, you've had, I suppose it's fair to say, a weekend that uh, you couldn't have dreamed of, could you? Oh, it's been absolutely superb. Um... It started, the week started well uh, on Tuesday. We went to Lingfield with a, with a horse for a novice hurdle, finished third. was absolutely delighted with that for a, for a, a debut of hurdles. And then uh, went to Sandown on the Thursday and had a double with Dr. Kananga and Letty Lutz. And uh, to round the week off with the Galloping Bear at Haydock uh, in a £100,000 handicap was absolutely fantastic. And it, you know, couldn't have dreamt it's gone any better this week. It'd be hard to replicate a week like this, but we'll be doing our best in the future. Well, you've got a couple of runners next week, well, this current week that we're in now. Um, have they got a chance? So we've got Cascatello uh, Tuesday at Taunton. Uh, it's her first run in a handicap. 
Um, I, I, I'm just slightly concerned that the track might be a bit sharp for her, um, but uh, she's definitely off a mark of 91. I definitely think that she's got a squeak. Uh, she may just want a, a slightly more galloping track. Um, and then Dr. Kananga on Friday at Exeter. I'm not sure whether he'll take up the engagement. He he only ran at Sandown last week, but we're just we're just wondering whether if what the handicapper does tomorrow morning, being Tuesday morning, um, if he puts us up sort of 12 or 14 pounds in the handicap, we might be forced to run under a seven pound penalty on Friday at Exeter. But um, we'll uh, we'll assess all that tomorrow and weigh our options up. But um, if he runs, he's definitely got a chance. He's a fast, improving novice chaser, and, and we like him a lot. Won't be much of a price, I don't expect, though, after winning last time. But, uh, <laughs> no, I think he was nearly even money favourite at Sandown, and I yeah. imagine it'll be something similar again if he does mm, run. Yeah, definitely. But you, you, you've, um, you, you, you mentioned to me earlier, you've been here for two years now. Um, you've got a nice, lovely little spot. I mean, it's beautiful, I think, on a nice sunny day. You couldn't ask for a better place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on, a, on, a, on a summer's day, it's lovely. It's a bit cold today, but yeah, uh, yeah. no, it's um, it's a nice starting point for us. We've been here a few years. We originally came here with sort of sort of six point-to-point -point horses. Um, that's that's sort of grown to, to then nine point-to-point -point horses. And then this season in September, we took out a license. We've now got 15 boxes um, full with national hunt horses. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a lovely place to start off. Um, we have bigger ambitions going forward, but uh, we're, we're very happy where we are at the moment. But to, to win a £100,000 race in your first, what, six months, I suppose it is, is it? I mean, that, 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 you, know, you couldn't have dreamt of that, could you? No, absolutely not. Um, I mean, I, I went into racing at, at 16 years old, and by the time I was sort of 18, 19, I was riding as an amateur, but uh, not very well, I may, I may add. But um, I, uh, even at that age, I knew that I wanted to train horses. So my, my uh, sort of philosophy over the next sort of decade in racing was to, to keep my mouth shut and, and go around my ears open and absorb as much information as possible to be honest um, yeah. and everywhere I rode out, everywhere I worked um, it was a case of uh, just sort of sponging information and, and I went to, and rode out for, for big trainers like Alan King and, and Philip Hobbs and I did work experience with Philip as a 15 year old and it was and then Anthony Honeyball and spent a good number of years with him and it was just a case of absorbing as much information as possible and then developing my own sort of training regime but um, yeah. to, to bag a £100,000 race in your first uh, first season it, it really is it, uh, you know and I don't say it's likely but this is what I've dreamt about for, for many years so for it to come off in this first six months I just couldn't have dreamt of it for no. a start like that and only 15 horses I mean you know it's, it's a, an amazing strike rate yeah, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. I, I've now got in Dr. Kananga and the Galloping Bear. The Galloping Bear will be reassessed tomorrow by the handicapper and it'll be sort of 147, 148, I imagine. Dr. Kananga will be pushing 140. I mean, to have two flagship horses like that um, for the yard. I mean, there's plenty of yards in the country that have never had an ITV winner and, and the Galloping Bear won the Surrey National and the Grand National Trial at the weekend. Two races on ITV, loads of publicity for us and... Um, it's a, it, you know, we could be another 10 years trying to find horses that good. So uh, we, we, we know how lucky we are and uh, we intend to enjoy every minute of it. Being as it was a Grand National trial, is the intention to go for the Grand National or not? Yeah, I've had plenty of questions about this. Um, certainly not this year. Uh, two reasons, really. Um, one, it was never on the agenda. But two, he's not actually qualified. So one of the uh, criteria is you have to have run in six uh, steeplechases and he's only running four. He's won them all, but he has only run in four. So yeah. um, next season, we're going to target the Welsh National um, on the 27th of December, uh, most likely. And then we might, um, at that point, have an entry for, for the big one at entry, which I do think the race would suit, um, but it would just need to have a bit of a cut in the ground for him to take his chance. 
going back to your, your, your first encounter with a horse, how old were you? Uh, so my first encounter with horses really, uh, I say horses slash ponies, my mum had uh, always had a couple of ponies uh, kicking about and to be perfectly honest I, I was at school and she would always make me go to, to where she rented some, a field and some stables where they were and I'd sit in the car kept out the way of the horses was absolutely terrified until I was about 15 and, and she took me to Wincanton and uh, went and, and took me racing which I didn't really want to go and uh, we, she went and sort of we went and stood next to the last fence and I watched the horses fly over the fence and I instantly just fell in love with the sport it really was an instant thing and I, and mm. I couldn't I just thought wouldn't it be amazing to be somebody to be sat on the back of one of those horses and and that was literally how it started but I must admit until I was 15 I was very very scared of, of ponies and horses and I, I really didn't <laughs> I was very wary of them indeed and I mean but bearing in mind that the, the, the prize money and, and national hunt racing is, is always going to be a poor second to flat racing have you ever had any inclination to go flat wise or not to be honest absolutely none um, flat racing doesn't interest me at all I think it's a very short career for for the horses, um, I, I am somebody that likes to plot a career with a horse. When it arrives in the yards, a three, four-year-old, we very quickly uh, make an assessment and whether is this horse going to be a three-mile chaser and peak when it's seven or eight. If, if that's the case, it's about nurturing that horse through its career. I think with flat horses, it's a completely different get ball game. To be honest, I wouldn't know where to start, and and it's it's I just don't have a, a, a massive interest in that. Um, no. It's a national hunt racing. I think yeah, anybody coming into it to, to make money or think that they're going to be a millionaire out of it is is pretty deluded. But it, the 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 love of the sport is um, the people that are hooked. You, you just you, you you'd never get them away from it. And uh, yeah, no, we we we're very firmly at a jumps yard, and, and I don't intend to wave from that one one bit. No, I think probably the reason I prefer I prefer flats and jumps. It's only that the weather's always nice. <laughs> You've got there freezing cold. Yeah, yeah Wincanton has to be the coldest place in the whole world. Yeah, no, you make a very, very good point. And that now you say it now on a cold day like today. Now it's starting to appeal a bit more. But um, yeah. we'll stay in our lane and we'll uh, we'll leave that to uh, to the new market trainers and that. But um, yeah, I, I watch a bit of flat racing, but uh, it's something that I, I wouldn't uh, mm. it wouldn't go down that route. Is that the trophy from? Um... That's the trophy from Haydock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my trophy, but the owner's trophy. He's about three times the size. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's not a bad one, is it? No, it'll do. It'll do. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's nice. So, what what are the plans now? I mean, you know, have you got anything that's likely to go to Cheltenham, or is that bid too ambitious? So, um, I, I'm somebody that. Uh, you know the Cheltenham Festival. I see hear a lot of trainers saying at the moment it's uh, it's not the be all and end all, and, and I do agree. It's not. It's not. There are other very good races to win along the way, but uh, it's still it's still the place to, to market yourself and everything uh, to the widest audience. And I, I, I'm just somebody that wouldn't. I am not interested in taking a horse for the owners to have a, a day out as such, or unless it's got a, a, an each way squeak at the minimum. I, I wouldn't take him. And uh, there is a chance that uh, Dr. Kananga could be entered in the Kim Muir. Um, uh, or possibly the Ultima, but that, that's very unlikely. Uh, uh, he may hold an entry in the Kimura, but it's more likely there's a big 50, 40, 50 grand novice handicap at your Toxeter on the Saturday. Mm. Um, so I'm not, I'm, I, like I say, if, if we have a horse with a chance, then I'm happy to take it there, but um, 
you know, I'd only run, if it was the right thing for the horse, I'd run, but um, at the moment, I would say it's unlikely. Well, oh, we're setting up a racing club in about two months' time with two horses in it, one that's going to run through the summer and then one through the winter, so that'd be 12 months round. Yeah. Um, so that is something we're setting up in about two months' time. So. Okay, so what about the two this week? Not that that's going to be too late for the radio, but... Yeah, yeah, no, so Cascatello, um, like I say, she'll, I think she'll, she's more than likely going to finish fourth or fifth um, and uh, find the track a bit sharp. Uh, but she, you know, she, she is a filly that will win in turn. And Dr. Kananga, if he does run, I think he's got a very live chance. But it's probably only 50-50 if he does take his chance. Well, one of your owners, then Adrian Patterson, he he, he seems to um, look after you very well. In that you've got quite a few horses of this here. He, yeah, he's he's got sort of five horses with me. Um, he started near the beginning of my journey when I was just sort of training point to pointers and. Um, that's why the Galloping Bear and a couple of his horses, uh, you know, have got point-to-point wins on their record before then, before this season. And uh, he started with me then, always with the intention, when the time is right and we have the right horsepower, uh, to turn the, uh, to, to turn uh, and have a professional license. But um, he's he's been an incredibly good supporter uh, of mine, and we wouldn't have been able to take the license out with him. He's been. Uh, He's been brilliant, and, and he's, he's he's more than an owner. He's a, he's also, he's a he's a very very good friend as well. Mm. Well, I, I mean, it's admirable that he's got five horses with you, and in, you know here you are now in this position, and one of them's gone and done what it's done. Absolutely, two two of them really. But I mean, you know, yeah. the, obviously that he's that was a big race. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's been brilliant, and he deserves every bit of success he gets because he leaves. It he it always baffles me when an owner sends a horse to a, a trainer and. And then starts all you do hear about it. I'm incredibly fortunate, but starts ordering the the trainer around about where and what we should be doing with the horse. And uh, I'm sure that's why you you know that that's why you're paying the trainer and you do work as a team together. Mm. But um, Adrian just lets me get on with the job, and um, we work very well as a team. And it is a big team here. All the owners support everybody else's horses, and um, yeah, that's it's, it's we're never going to be a, a yard with 50 horses. Um, that's not of interest to me. I'd like to have 20, 25 horses, a few more, but um, I, I like the the whole thing where all the owners support each other. And you know, Adrian had a big win at the weekend. All my other owners rang him, and it's very much a, a team and a family sort of uh, yeah. atmosphere, which is really important to me. Really important. 20 to 25 horses would be your optimum, then, would it? it really? Would, yeah, it would. Yeah. I, I I I worked in yards where there's. I've worked in yards where there's been 20 horses, I've been to yards where there's been 120 horses and I can see the difference. Um, it is impossible for a trainer with 100 horses to be casting his eye over every single horse a day and, and keeping a close eye and then you're reliant on um, your assistants and everything like that. But nowadays to try and find dedicated staff and people that feel as passionately as yourself about uh, the horses, it, it's very, very difficult. So mm-hmm. myself and my partner Sally, um, we do an awful lot ourselves and we're ably backed up with by Sally's sister Kate and my mother as well and um, and with a couple of other members of staff so I, I like to keep it close-knit and, and we all know the horses inside out and if there's a problem it's picked up on straight away and um, I, like, I like to think we do a good job but I'm sure we've got plenty to learn along the way but um, we, uh, we're very we're a young ambitious team and hopefully uh, you know over the next few years we can uh, keep sort of up in the quality. And when you hear of people like John Gosden with, with God knows how many, I don't know how many, he's got over 200, I think, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, you want, I mean, to be fair, he does have the success, but nonetheless, yeah. it must be difficult to be able to you know, keep your eye on that number of horses. It certainly is, and, and John Gosden's an absolute master at what he does. He's an incredible trainer, and, and if ever I see him interviewed, he'd be somebody that I listen very closely to, to his language and, and what he says about his horses and, and uh, his approach. and. Um, so, so I do really admire him, but um, 
it certainly wouldn't be for me to, to be reliant on uh, two or three or even four assistants and, and pupil assistants, and that assistants to give me the information. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's just because trying to, like I said again, I'll reiterate again, it's just it's, it's finding the, 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 the people that you can trust uh, that are as dedicated as sort of myself and, and uh, my partner and, and that, 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 that will, will provide you with the information. And, and, the, and it's a well-known thing, you know, in racing, the, ocean, the, the hours can be unsociable and the weather can also not be great. So yeah, um, yeah. finding people nowadays to do that when you can go and work in Tesco's for a similar wage and, yeah. and stay warm and dry is, is, is quite tough. But the one thing I would say is the people that do get into the industry they do love it and they and and you know they do bond with the horses and they they go up and down the country with them and they care for them these animals get treated and they really do get treated like kings and they get the best of uh, best bedding the best feed the best haylage everything's tested to make sure it is really of the, of the highest quality and uh, it does frustrate me when um, racing gets a bad press and of course that does happen sometimes but um too, too recently, unfortunately, too. Absolutely. Mm. But I mean, it must have been a pretty hairy experience on uh, Friday, wasn't it, with the old uh, uh, yeah. what, Eunice floating a about? Absolutely. And we were in a position where, you know, it was it was it wasn't ideal to be riding out. But unfortunately, we had to get the galloping bear out because he was running the following day, so he yeah. had to go out. And because my because I do a lot of the riding out myself, it was a case that we were slightly shorter of staff on the Saturday, so we had to push on, and we actually managed to get all of them ridden out in the morning. But it was hairy, and uh, <laughs> I don't want to have to do that too often. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, thank you ever so much, uh, Ben, for doing that. No I appreciate it, and, and obviously we will be in touch with you again. Um, best of luck, uh, well, this week and uh, whenever they run next week and whatever. And I should be keeping an eye on the. The old bear. Absolutely, thank um, you very much. Thank we'll, you. I think we, you haven't got a nickname. I suppose he's not Yogi, is he? By no, him, he's uh, not. He's, he's simply not. bear, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you might have called him Yogi. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But no, that was great. Thank you ever so much. Well, there you are. There's a man who's going to be going places, I think. It's Ben Clark, and the trainer of the Galloping Bear. So watch out for him again when he comes out next. Well, now it's time for our memories spot again and uh, this week we're going to go back in time and have a look at the 1981 Sun Alliance Chase and as if we don't get enough of him on the show he's back again it's Colin Brown of course and he rode Leslie Ann to victory in that um, Sun Alliance Chase which was then changed to the RSA Chase and I don't know what it is this year but anyway, have a listen to the commentary of the race and then we'll talk to Colin about his ride on the race. And coming to the first special cargo, one of the first to show, with Oak Lawn and Captain John over on the far side, and two swallows just in behind them, and they're all safely over the first. And Captain John taking him along from special cargo, Oak Lawn and two swallows and Corbier, and then Lawrence Rambler and pilot officer. Behind them come Wayward Lad and Lusker, and behind Lusker is Star Member with Don't Touch on the inside, and then Midnight Love, Easter Eel on the outer. 
Quarry Bank on the inner. The back marker at the moment is another Duke, and it's uh, Captain John in the lead from Special Cargo to Swallows Oak Lawn and Corbier and Lawrence Rambler and Pilot Officer and Wayward Lad and Lusker. Behind them, Star Member. Easterreel, one of the back markers with Old Bean and another Duke as they run down to the second, and Captain John lands in the lead from Special Cargo. Easterreel, one of the uh, real back markers at that point as they come down to the water. Captain John from Special Cargo, Oak Lawn, Corbier, and then the Grade 2 Swallows and Pilot Officer. And on the inside, Lawrence Rambler. Then comes Wayward Lad, Quarry Bank, Don't Touch, Lusker, Star Member, Leslie Ann over the fourth. And all safely over it, but Old Bean jumps it a little bit slowly. 16th at the moment is the favourite Easter Eel. Captain John in the lead at the fifth. Jumps it clear of Special Cargo in second. Jumping, jumped it third, Oak Lawn, then Corbier, then Two Swallows, then Pilot Officer, then Wayward Lad, and then Lawrence Rambler, and then Star Member behind Star Member is Don't Touch, and then Lusker, and then Easter Eel on the outside. And then another Duke and Midnight Love behind them, Quarry Bank and Leslie Allen. Finally, it's Old Bean. Coming to the first ditch now, Captain John lands in the lead from Special Cargo. Corbier on the inside of Oak Lawn. Then in fifth is Two Swallows, sixth Wayward Lad. Behind them, Lawrence Rambler and Pilot Officer. Behind Pilot Officer is Star Member. Then Lusker and Easter Eel has made a little bit of ground towards the outside. Another Duke's on the inner. Old Bean's a long way behind the remainder now. Captain John in the lead from Special Cargo. Corbier and Two Swallows and then Oak Lawn and then Pilot Officer and Lawrence Rambler and Wayward Lad. Lusker towards the outside, that's the left of the picture, and right over on the far left, Easter Eel, you'll see jumping in about seventh. Mistake there by Lusker, but he got away with it, and it's Captain John from Special Cargo. Two Swallows is now third, and four Corbier, and five is Oak Lawn, and six Lawrence Rambler, seven is Star Member, and eight is Easter Eel. As they come down to the next, and Old Bean has been pulled up. Pulled up and dismounted, Midnight Love hit the top of that. And now it's Captain John from Special Cargo, two Swallows and Corbier together, and then Lawrence Rambler and Oak Lawn, and then Star Member, Pilot Officer, Easter Reel, Quarry Bank, Wayward Lad behind them, another Duke and Lusker, and Leslie Ann, and then Midnight Love, and finally Don't Touch, and over the ninth, Captain John lands in the lead from Special Cargo and Corbier behind uh, Corbier. It's Lawrence Rambler with two swallows and Wayward Lad and Quarry Bank from behind Quarry Bank, Star Member, and then Easter Eel, and then Oak Lawn. Behind Oak Lawn is Leslie Ann on the outside of Pilot Officer, and then another Duke, and then Lusker. And behind Lusker is Midnight Love, and finally Don't Touch. As they go out into the country on the final circuit, Captain John in the lead from Special Cargo in second, Corbier third, four Lawrence Rambler, five on the outside is two swallows, six is Wayward Lad, seven is Pilot Officer, eight wide of them with Quarry Bank is Easter Eel as they run down to the tenth fence. Tenth of the 17 fences, Captain John from Corbier now, Lawrence Rambler and Special Cargo close, then Wayward Lad. Easter Eel making a bit of ground on the far side, and Quarry Bank has gone there, another Duke has gone there, and two Swallows has gone there. Three missing there, over the water. 
Captain John lands in the lead from Special Cargo Corbier on the inside. All three jockeys are up all right. Lawrence Rambler is next, then Wayward Lad, then Pilot Officer Easter Eel on the outside. Captain John, Corbier, a little between the two. Mistake by Corbier, mistake by Wayward Lad as well. As they race now to the last fence before the final ditch. Five from home. Corbier's in the lead from Captain John. Special Cargo. Easter Eel making ground towards the outside. Wayward Lad very close to them on the inner. Coming to the final ditch now in this Sun Alliance chase. And it's Corbier in the lead from Captain John. Then Special Cargo. Then Wayward Lad. Then Lawrence Rambler. Then comes Easter Eel on the outside of Leslie Ann. And over the final ditch there. And it was Corbier in the lead from Wayward Lad's Special Cargo in the Royal Colours on the outside going up to be second now. Easter Eel getting a little bit closer to them with Leslie Ann as they run downhill now with only three fences left to jump in the Sun Alliance. And Corbier is in the lead from Wayward Lad who's now moved into second. In third is Special Cargo. Easter Eel still making steady progress towards the outside. Captain John trying to stay in the picture. Leslie Ann's well there too. Lawrence Rambler's not far behind the leaders but it's Corbier in the lead from Wayward Lad in second. Then comes Easter Eel on the outside, showing with his white face, and then Leslie Ann, and over that one, it was Corbier being pressed by Wayward Lad, Special Cargo, Leslie Ann, Easter Eel, behind them Lawrence Rambler and Captain John, Wayward Lad now, very close to the lead with Leslie Ann and Corbier, and Easter Eel breathing down their necks, and there Corbier landed in the lead from a Wayward Lad, then on the outside, Leslie Ann, then Easter Eel just in behind them with Special Cargo, and it's Leslie towards the outside now from Corbier, Easter Eel coming towards the stand side, Special Cargo very close to them as they come down to the final fence now, and it's Leslie Ann in the lead from Corbier, Easter Eel under pressure in third place, Leslie Ann looking as though he's only got a jump in, he makes a mistake there, but that's the way with it, Corbier jumps in second, Easter Eel jumps in third, and Special Cargo four, and racing into the closing stages in the Sun Alliance, and it's Leslie Ann now from Corbier with Special Cargo and Easter Eel, and Leslie Ann striding up towards the line to win it from Corbier and Special Cargo. Leslie Ann has won it. Corbier second, Special Cargo third, and Easter Eel four. Five was Captain John and six, Lawrence Rambler behind them. Midnight Love and Wayward Lad and Oak Lawn and Pilot Officer, and they're the only finishers, and so the result of the Sun Alliance chase. First, number eight, Leslie Ann, owned by Mr. B.W. Gould, trained by David Ellsworth, and written by Colin Brown. Second was... So, Colin, what can you remember of the race on Leslie Ann? Go. Well, the form going into Leslie Ann's Royal and Sun Alliance win at the Cheltenham Festival in 1981 wasn't, it was very, very good in places, but not over-inspiring because she'd fallen the time before that, and that was at the second fence. Uh, um, but having said that, if that hadn't happened, she was in good form, she'd been running well, that might have spoilt the start of a fairy tale as the race was won by Aldeniti that day, returning from a long absence. But, uh, no, Leslie Ann ran in the Sun Alliance chase at Cheltenham, and a lot of people probably thought looked a bit optimistic, having uh, fallen, and uh, a few horses that had just beaten her before. But she did have high-class form. Now, I remember Elsie saying to me, take your time, drop her in, and remember in those days, she's a mare. She didn't get the mare's allowance. So... She's running against top-class horses, no mares allowance. There are about 25 runners. They're all in Sun Alliance. You know, you, you need to have a bit of luck to 
you know, get a bit of daylight. And so I dropped her right in and just weaved my way through, kept out of trouble. And she came into the race like she'd only just jumped off in the race two out. She went by Corbier like he was standing still and won by eight lengths. She beat horses like East Real, just won its last five races. She beat horses like Captain John, a mentioned wayward lad. Um, absolutely hacked up. She was top class. And she jumped that day for fun. And she went and carried on uh, her career, winning a few more races. And then we got to a, a season, a couple of seasons later, where basically, I don't know, she was burnt out. She never showed any form at all. And she was retired. But she was high class and a very, very good mare. And you must have been at your peak in 1981, Cole, yeah? I was peaking it then. I would, I'd written that she was my first festival winner. I was starting to get on a few good horses for Elsie. And uh, I remember, actually, he trained at a place called Colern, which was a pretty wet place to train. The all-weather gallop used to just get washed away quite often. wasn't easy for him, but he was a great trainer. But we moved four horses to Whitsbury. One was called Omnipotent that finished fifth in the Triumph Hurdle at Cheltenham. One was called Leslie Ann. The owners backed from 33s into 12s or something, landed a massive touch. One was called Fortune Cookie, who landed a massive touch on the Friday, remembering the Cheltenham Festival was only a three-day meeting. And the other one was called Halin, who won the Triumph Hurdle. So, you know, we, Elsie started to have some real good horses on his, in his, you know, in his yard. And, um, yeah, I was just beginning to get going. And it was a massive win for me. And when I listened to the commentary, you could hear a voice because Elsie was up in the commentary box, just in front of the commentary box, shouting, come on, Leslie Ann. And you can hear him right over that sort of 50,000 crowd. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thanks, Colin. That was great. It's uh, It was a, a, certainly a memorable win for you and the horse, obviously. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much indeed. And we'll be speaking to you later, I'm sure. Lovely. Thanks, Eddie. Well, that was Colin Brown. And as you can see, he's got quite a good memory for a 100-year-old jockey. Right, well, now it's time to go around uh, our usual contacts at this time of the show. And we're going to start with Jamie Snowden. Right, well, good afternoon, Jamie. Thanks for coming on, as usual. We're always indebted to you. Um, I see a 23rd of February, a winner again, super survivor. Going well. Yeah, thanks, Eddie. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's good. Obviously, the, the team remain in great form and, and obviously um, nice to introduce a, a newcomer like Super Survivor to the track. And thankfully, he came up trumps as well. So he's a really exciting horse to look forward to in the future as well. Was that his first run then? It was, yeah. So he was pretty green and immature and, and, and the fact that he could go and do that on, on debuts, um, yeah, really exciting. But I mean, looking down the list, you you know, you had a fourth, a second, a fifth, a second, a second, a third, a fifth, a third. It's unbelievable how you manage it. And I see it says horses run into form in the last fourteen days, seventy three percent. So the racing post, so fantastic. Yeah. There we go. Facts and figures never lie, Eddie. Do they? Absolutely not, Jamie. No, no way. You are the master at the end of the day. Let's face it. Come on, you know. You're very kind. No, uh, we're, having, we're having a good time of it. So long, long may continue. Yeah. Um, now, looking at uh, the weekend, you've got a couple on Sunday, I see, or at least four, no, five on Sunday. I don't know how many of those are going to run. Can you talk about any of them? Yeah, we'll, we'll run two, two of them tomorrow. Legends Ride and Spitfire Girl go to, go to Warwick tomorrow. Um, mm. We haven't got anything on Saturday, and then we've got a few entries up on Sunday. So I think Present Valley will probably go to Fontwell, 
Um, Ebenella, who um, I'd say she might go to Plumpton on Monday. Um, she's entered a few races, but I think she might go to Plumpton on Monday. What about Spitfire Girl and Present Value? So Spitfire Girl goes to goes to Warwick tomorrow, and Present Value, I think, will go to Fontwell. Right. Okay. So that's that's those. So, but you're hopeful that they're going to be okay. Uh, all, all, always hopeful, Eddie. You know me. Always hopeful. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, the way you're going, you know, it's it's a credit to the profession. So keep it up, mate. Yeah. Thanks, Eddie. No, it's, um, it's good. So uh, obviously, all, all you know, all eyes turning to Cheltenham in, in in three weeks' time now as well. So, yeah. Uh, well, let's hope the, the, the team can respond to that. Certainly, when I sell my radio station for £5 million or something, I should definitely bring a horse to you. Quite right, Aidy. Quite right. <laughs> you're, you're, well, even if you don't sell it for £5 million, you're always welcome. Ah, good man, good man. Well, if I could get rid of this bloody sciatica, I'd be up a lot sooner, I can tell you. But yes, I, I, I'm supposed to be coming to meet um, Colin Brown up there for lunch, but oh, we just never seem to get together. He's always rushing around somewhere doing his hospitality and what have you, so... Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a busy guy, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But look, listen, thank you for coming on as usual, Jamie. Keep up the Not good work. Sense. Have a successful weekend, and uh, thank you very much. We will speak to you again uh, next weekend or next. Look well, forward to it. Well, that was Jamie Snowden, and now we're going to catch up with our friendly jockey, which is Nick Schofield. Well, good afternoon, uh, Nick. How's things going with you? What sort of a week have you had? Yeah, brilliant, really. Um, uh, we had some nice winners. Um, I had a busy week last week, so um, yeah, no, it started off alright, and um, very much looking forward to the weekend, really. Yeah, what have you got lined up over the weekend? I think I'm going to head to Camden for three nice rides, uh, the one in the Adonis for um, Oliver Greenall, um, each race week, uh, five-star getaway in the big handicap, 150 grand race, um, and then a nice horse in the bumper that ran well last time. So um, I think we had there for the captain, and then we had to Hereford on Sunday, Plumpton on Monday, uh, Leicester on Tuesday, I think. So, yeah, busy enough. I suppose it all helps with your own... I mean, have you had any <clears throat> any no long-term effects from the broken leg that, you know, you had back along? No, no. Um, touch River all fit well. Um, things just stay that way, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you know, Cheltenham's not far away now, is it? No, just over three weeks. So uh, February's a short month, so it soon, soon comes upon us. Yeah. Um, all the horses are getting their final preps and final balls, schools and gallops. So I've been around busy trying to ride as many as I can and do the final, you know, the, the, the hard bits of work before they sort of back off them a few weeks before. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure everybody's getting excited about the prospect, that's for certain. So, uh, and, you know, should be looking forward to seeing you performing up there, that's for certain. So, uh, but okay, well, look, have a good weekend. Um, make sure you get some winners of those at Kempton, and um, I expect yeah. you'll be on the telly, so I should be keeping an eye open for you. Great, then I hope you'll have a good weekend too. I'll do my best. <laughs> See you yeah. soon then, Nick. Thanks for coming Thanks, on. That was Nick Schofield, and now it's time to catch up with Milton Harris. Right, well, good afternoon, Milton. Thanks for joining us on the show again. Um, a successful trip to Switzerland, um, but but only second. Yeah, we uh, we had three the same horse ran three times in two weeks. First, first, and second. And unfortunately, on his last one, he lost two shoes, which on the snow, as you can imagine, yeah. is a bigger hindrance than would be on the grass. So, but we can't complain. I think the horse we bought him specifically to go there, and he won thirty-one thousand or so in prize money at Midland Park Racing. Who are the 
the owners uh, owners came over and had a good trip. So I would say it was a success all round. Absolutely, it sounds like it. Anyway, um, and but looking at your figures here, um, still keeping up an incredible good sort of run of uh, success, really. Third, second, yeah, third, stri- fourth. I think with our strike rate, we're twenty percent or so, and and I think when you've got a yard, and we're, we're an upcoming yard. We we don't have the high quality numbers of horses that you know the poor nickels and so on. But our strike rate is very comparable. Um, I think we went into eighty percent. So I'm, yeah, I'm pleased all around. Good, a good staff, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what about the weekend, uh, Milton? You've got a few runners uh, lined up. What 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 chances have they got? Well, quiet weekend, but we've got runners in high profile races. So we've got. Um, Obviously, Knight Salute is making his um, return after having a mid-season break. Yeah. He uh, he runs in the grade two um, Adonis Erdler Kempto. He uh, goes um, really well. He's not a great workhorse at home, but he worked really well this week on the Tuesday. Um, so, look, it's his first run back. He's fit enough to, to do himself justice. Um, and I'd expect him to go very close. I, think, I suspect he'll be favoured, and he's beat some of these before. So, we're optimistic. Well, according to this, he's seven to four at the moment. So you know somebody must. There you think, are. So you, there you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's look. He's, unbe- he's, he's unbeaten over hurdles, and um, so we just you know we we, we did, I wouldn't be just, seven to four means he's got a you know uh, what's that? Uh, he's got a greater chance of getting beat than winning at seven to four. Don't forget because he's odds against, not odds on. So, mm. but listen, he's in good form, and we're really happy. And we also run in the graded two race an hour later a lovely horse called Legionnaire who will be a massive prize. And he's a good horse, but he probably needs he's an immature horse and he needs to learn how to race properly you know yeah and then you see i see you've got a few uh, hereford and plumpton on uh, on sat, uh, sorry sunday uh, are all those likely uh, to go we've got a horse called len brennan entered up i think it's on yeah. sunday yeah uh, fresh my memory in the car he's a new addition to us um he came feeling a bit sorry for himself but he seems in a really good place now okay. i expect him to run really well he's got a few entries he's, i think he's in at plumpton and Oh, I can't. Uh, another meeting. I can't remember the moment. But anyway, wherever we do run him, I'd be surprised if he wasn't competitive. And then you've got um, Fire Lake and Barry Breeze at Hereford. Are they both going? Uh, Fire Lake will probably run. She uh, wants faster ground, but she needs another run to get a handicap mark. So, and, and and I can't change the ground, so we'll probably run her and at least when she gets a mark. Then when the ground does dry out, hopefully she'll be well handicapped. You know. Yeah, and um, what was the other one? Uh, Barry Breeze is an honest horse. Um, he ran really well last time. Wherever he runs, I'd, I'd be very surprised if he's out the first three. So I think he'll run well. Good. So all basically going like a well-oiled machine, then, Milton. Well, I, I suspect the wheels will fall off at some point, but the <laughs> wheels are still on at the moment. We we've just been to the uh, to the sales at Cheltenham and paid fifty thousand pound with Midland Park for a nice young horse. So yeah, anybody listening want to share in that? There's some shares available in him, so we're doing okay. Okay, well, that's lovely. Well, thanks ever so much for talking to us again, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week, if that's all right. No problem at all. You take care of yourselves. And you. Thank you, Milton. Cheers for now. Well, that was Milton Harris, and now we're very lucky to have another trainer from Lambourne join us, but this time a very rare breed on this show is a flat trainer, and his name is Daniel Kubler. Good afternoon, Daniel. Thank you very much for coming on the show. It's nice to uh, to be introduced to you by Mr Snowden, uh, who's sat beside you there. So, um just tell me a little bit about your operation. So uh, we train out of Lambourne. We've got a sort of purpose-built yard that we've built there over the last couple of years. And uh, we kind of had our first real pro- proper season out of it last season. And it went quite nicely. And we, we got a few winners. And uh, we're sort of all gearing up for the turf, really, in the, in the next few weeks at the moment. So um, all systems go. Yeah. How many horses have you got all together? 
we've got about 40 in for this season, which is the, the most we've ever had. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to it, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what would you say is your uh, most likely um, Group 1 winner, then? Well, we, we would just, we just go, we, we're trying to line a few horses up for some of the Ascot handicaps. That, that's sort of where we're, where we're aiming at this, this summer. We've got, a, we've got a filly called Don't Tell Claire, won a handicap very nicely towards the back end of last season at Ascot. She'll, she'll be aimed at the Phillies mile handicap there that they introduced there last year and then got a nice uh, three-year-old colt that will be sort of aiming him uh, called Outgate who will be aiming towards the Britannia probably okay uh, that'll be, be sort of the two 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 prime horses and then we've got some nice nice three-year-olds uh, nice two-year-olds have you got a, have you got an attached uh, uh, jockey or do you just you know pick and choose best, when you need best, to best available Richard Kingscoat would be, a, would, be a, would be an old friend of mine and uh He'd ride, he'd ride plenty, him and Jack Mitchell, and then uh, probably Liam Canary and Nicola Curry would pick up the rest of them, I suppose. Yeah. It'd be sort of loosely our plans for the, for the season. Well, look, Daniel, it's really good of you to come on like this out of the blue. I suppose I was lucky I caught you in the car with, with Jamie, but uh, thank you for coming on board, and uh, we will no doubt speak to you next week. Well, that was Lambourne flat trainer Daniel Kubler, who will be joining us on a regular basis throughout the flat season. Well, it's Friday, uh, it's lunchtime, and it's time to contact the Bresbet headquarters and catch up with our friend Sam. How's it going, Sam? Great, thank you, Eddie. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. The sun's shining down here in Somerset, so it's not too bad. It's a bit chilly, but uh, not too bad, really. So uh, all yeah, things, we... all, all things okay. being equal, it ain't too bad. No, we finally seem to have got out of the grips of the storms that we've all been under siege from. Yeah. Anyway, what little gems have you got for us from a Bresbet this morning? It looks like a jam-packed weekend of sport, to be honest. Mm. We In the racing, we, we're definitely slowing down now, ready for the, the Cheltenham... Cheltenham Festival approaching in a few weeks' time. There's, yeah. there's definitely a lulling, lulling racing. However, there's still a couple of decent races on this weekend. We, we've got the Six Nations that's, that's continuing also. And then a, a full fixture list of football, so plenty to go out this week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, any, any you know specific um, specials you've got going? Yeah, we've got a few. We've got one, one for the Six Nations. We've got France to beat Scotland and England to beat Wales. Yeah. The the was price for that is eight to thirteen. We're now in industry best eight to eleven. Right. Uh, that'll be going up later this afternoon. Then onto the football. I feel like I say this quite often, but we've done the Manchester double again. Yeah. We've got Manchester United at home to Watford. Um, one of the teams that look look set for relegation. Really, it's becoming a bit of a scrap for that third place. But I fully expect Watford and, and Norwich to very much be in that mix now of, of almost looking like they're already there mm. and then it seems to be a bit of a dogfight with Newcastle, Burnley, Leeds and even Brentford. Yeah well, and Everton as well and not far off it as well. Yeah no and that, and that leads on to obviously the next part Man City play Everton they've definitely not got an easy fixture this week No. Um, yeah. and if they do win they're doing the neighbours a massive favour because it seems like there's a title race on now as well Liverpool are in fantastic form. Yeah, it's it's getting tight because I mean they've only got they've got a game against City, haven't they, Liverpool? And if they win that, they'd be level points then. So yeah, it's uh, wide open. I mean, it only seems a couple of months ago at, at Christmas. I remember thinking, well, it, it's looking pretty boring up there. It, it looked all done and dusted. But yeah. fair play to Liverpool. They they lose two of their better players to the African Cup of Nations, and they've 
they've actually come out the other side in a better position than they were before it. Yeah, I know. It's often the case that is that we all sort of get excited, think, oh, it's all right, they're going to lose half their players for the Africa Nations Cup. And then when it comes to it, as you rightly say, they've come out a bit better at the end of the day. Yeah, they've done great. And, and, and that's obviously a testament to them, really. They, they're one of the sides up there that they've definitely got a smaller base squad than Man City in terms of quality, but they've, they've really pulled through. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, City can't go on keeping winning every single game. There's got to come a point, you know, when even the best teams in the world start stuttering a little bit. And uh, it makes you wonder whether they're just going through a bit of a stutter at the moment. Definitely. And also, I mean, I don't think it's any secret. The, their main focus every season for the last few years has been the Champions League. They're still in the mix there. They, yeah. As we, as we get in, I know COVID seems to be lessening now, but there's still a big fixture pile up. And, and players will have to be rested and rotated. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, th- I think they're so obsessed with the uh, well, the, the owners are so obsessed with the European Cup that uh, you know, they, I don't think they think they've really sort of achieved anything until they get that cup under their belt. But it's a lot. E- you know, it doesn't seem as uh, as easy as they seem to think it is. I mean, you know, you you can tell they've they've had good chances and yet uh, nothing's happened. You know, so. Um, yeah, it's an interesting scenario, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, we on on the back of that, Eddie, we've we've boosted the Manchester double this weekend. I mean, they're both incredibly short prices to win single, but we've done Manchester City and Manchester United both to win. There was priced four to six. That's now four to five, which again is is the best price in the industry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and then right. on, on to the racing. We we mentioned the racing briefly earlier. Um, I've I've done a double. Two different fixtures tomorrow. I've, I've got the Lord North, which is in the Winter Derby at Linkfield. Yeah, he was he was shade of odds on when I looked this morning. And then in, at Kempton in the three o'clock, the Dovecot, we've got. Shall we have one more? Yeah, we're going to boost the double there. The was price is one hundred to thirty. We're going to be four to one that. Oh, that's a nice little uh, nice little boost, isn't it? Yeah, I mean they they look like the two that are going to be popular tomorrow. They're both televised races. Yeah, they both trading around even money as we speak um, shall we have one more definitely a fascinating horse it, it, a yeah. little bit of a lunatic it's very headstrong uh, in its races but it's it definitely got plenty of ability well as soon as you offered yeah I'll have a vodka and coke please while you're at it okay <laughs> <laughs> lovely job Sam well that sounds all quite encouraging and of course the as we always say if you didn't get all of that quickly go on to the bresbet.com website and it'll all be there under the specials page correct yeah there'll be plenty more added as well tomorrow as we go yeah that's lovely Sam well nice to talk to you again you this it. week and speak to you next week. week right well now it's time to catch up with our man Mr Wilson at Harlequin Racing it's time for Dave Wilson's tip well, good evening, Dave, on this rather sombre day with all sorts of dodgy things going on around the world. Let's see if we can bring a bit of happiness with some winners. Yeah, hopefully the price of fuel and price of gas ain't going to go up any more than it's uh, forecast to, but well, I don't know. Let, let everyone else get on with that. I'll worry about the horses. Yeah, exactly. That's all we can do, really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a look at Kempton's uh, card for Saturday. And we're going to start off with the first race there, one fifteen, and a horse called Patroclus, or however you pronounce it. It'll be ridden by James Bowen and trained by Nicky Henderson. Currently priced up at around about 4-1. to one. He's had six runs to date, three wins, pulled up twice, and one second. Uh, I understand that there was a few reasons why he got pulled up twice, but I don't think they're going to go into the in-depths 
that, but it just proves that he can win when he don't pull up. So uh, <laughs> he won last time out. He's gone up three pounds for that win, and uh, he looks to be on a very, very handy mark for a Nicky Henderson type of horse, around about a 130 rating. And uh, a few of the opposition here are very much more exposed than uh, this fella. So uh, I think it's worth having a nice small bet on him at four to one in that first race there at Kempton. It is a bit of a trappy race, but. Patroclus is uh, he's got a chance in there, Christ at four to one. Okay. Moving down to a one fifty race, uh, the Adonis Juvenile, and we've got uh, Harry Cobden, Paul Nichols uh, combination on top of Pleasant Man. Now the stable's back to form with a couple of winners this week, and uh, they had a very nice one turn up at Taunton called Inca de la Fayette. He won very very well there, and uh, I think the stable's back in form again now. Now, Pleasant Man was rated 93 last time he raced on the flat, and he won that race. So he's going to be 100 rated on the flat, which is very, very good anyway. And obviously, when you transfer that over to uh, Juvenile Hurdle for me, he's, he's got a rating of around about 140. But this fella, on his debut, he beat a horse called Pied Piper. Now, we tipped that up a couple of weeks back. Uh, Cheltenham, uh, Gordon Elliott's got him. And he's actually the favourite to win the Triumph Hurdle after his display at Cheltenham a couple of weeks back. Now, you've got to bear in mind, Pleasant Man beat him, and it was Pleasant Man's debut, and it was Pied Piper's second run. And he beat him quite easily, about a length and a half, two lengths, and had a little bit more in hand if he needed to. So if he transfers his uh, flat form over to the Hurdles form, and taking into consideration how Pied Piper goes, 4-1, which is on offer at the moment, is an absolute massive price. Mike Piper was in this race, it'd be like a one to four, one to five shot. So he's just taking uh, the chance if he's he's gonna jump and stay the trip and coming out of Paul Nichols yard, I think he's gonna know what he's gotta do. And as I say, they had a very nice one come over from France in the week at Taunton and uh, he won very nicely and if his fellow's the same sort of market for him, he's gonna be very, very well worth having a bet on him at four to one in that race there. Okay, lovely job. Moving down to the 225, another Cobden Nichols uh, horse here we really like the looks of. Pick three. Now, this fella had two wins and uh, four before we come out on the 5th of February. Now, the 5th of February was right in the middle of when um, Paul Nichols' stable was in very, very bad form. and They couldn't get the horse in the frame for love nor money. Now, he's dropping down from a grade one race to a grade two race as well. And it does look to be a head-to-head match against uh, Don McLean's uh, Manila Drama and Pictory. And we're going to side up with Pictory, and I think the stable's going to be back in form. And uh, as you say, like this looks to be just a two-horse ding-dong battle here. Manila Drama's going to be leading all the way at Sari Runs, and he, he's got a bit of a temperamental side to him. He, he had a race that we backed him in a, last year, and he threw his head up coming up to the line and got caught when he, when he should have won very easily. And uh, if you have a look at their handicap ratings, Victory is actually rated seven pounds above Manila Drama. So uh, we're going to tie it up with him, and he's priced up at around about two to one on the moment. Victory. Moving over to the three o'clock race, there we're going to go with uh, a horse called Oak and Risky. It'll be ridden by Tom Cannon and trained by Chris Gordon. Now, this fella, he absolutely bolted up at Plumpton and uh, he won by seven lengths that day, beating a horse called Mark Golders. 
the Moore boys, Gary Moore's horse, and uh, Mark Gold's come out once by since, and he's won by seven lengths and 16 lengths. And that's what he's done in his next two races, and the horse that was back in third, Granadur DM, that was uh, 12 and a half lengths behind Akurisuke, and it also run against Shall We, Shall we Have One More, who's the even money favourite for this race, and it comes 20 lengths behind that. Now, on both occasions, the horses that won the races was just absolutely cantering down to the winning line, not even coming off for a bit. And when he come up to win cancer and look and risk it, he, he won very easily. Again, he was on the bit and he won by 10 minutes and didn't come out off a bridle. So we're going to sign up with him in 11-2 to uh, for a nice each weight bet in the 3 o'clock race there. Righty-ho. Moving down to the 3.37, another local horse, Phoenix Way, uh, Kevin Brogan, thanks to Ike, Harry Fry. Harry had a nice winner at Taunton as well last week. Uh, this one's currently priced up around about 12 to 1 with that 365. Now, he, he came out and he won last time out. He beat a horse called Fanny and Destravel. And he, he, he beat it about a length and a half, two lengths in the end. And the two of them were 16 lengths clear of a horse that finished in third. Now, what's to bear in mind? On board Fanny and Destravel that day, there's a seven-pound claimant called Lucy May Turner, and he was giving giving a give running message to that. He actually won it quite quite comfortably, Phoenix Way, and I think there's a lot more to come from him. And he's priced up at twelve to one, and the way he run that day, the step up back step back up to three miles is certainly going to help him. And another one in the race uh, called Ansan. He's uh, taking him back on again. He, he comes second to him earlier in the year. He got beat four lengths, but I think Phoenix has well, taken a lot of big steps forward since then. So uh, I think the 12 to 1 is a very, very big price, and he's going to be the each way banking bet of a weekend for us. All right. Moving down to the 410 race, uh, I don't know if he's been around before, Storm Dennis, or if he was one of them storms that come in last week, but. We think he's going to run well in this race, and uh, he's going to be ridden by Tom Cannon and trained by Chris Gordon. He's currently opened up with William Hills at 6-1, to one and he's a fantastic kickway bet at that price. And I don't think he's going to last too long. He's only got a handicap rating of 117, and he absolutely destroyed the field up at Huntington last time out. And he's got some form lines... They might not sound too good. He finished four and a half lengths behind Brave Kingdom, and he finished ten lengths behind another horse called Wonderwall. Now, Brave Kingdom and Wonderwall are both 140 rated types of horses. Now, this fellow was running off level weights with him, and his only handicap mark is 117. So if you add the ten lengths onto 117, that still gives you 127 on the others. That he's run behind are running up around 138, 140 sort of mark. So it just shows how well in Storm Dennis is. And if you have a look at the, the race he's in, he's getting heaps of weight off of every horse in the race by one or two of them. And it just looks like an absolute drop down for him if he if he handles everything in the conditions that are going on there. So that's what we've got for Kempton. We haven't had a look at the last race because we've got too many in there with a bit of unknown form, but there's a, another big race on at the weekend, a 3.15 up at Newcastle, and it's the Iron Handicap Chase. It's uh, one of the four milers of the year, four miles, one furlong, it's actually over, and we like the chances of Danelio Derry, uh, number 16 in the race. He's uh, ridden by Gavin Sheehan and trained by Robert Beavis, and uh, 
He's got some very good form, and last time out he was on some really bad going, but previous to that he'd won four races on the bounce. And uh, he was at Linfield in the uh, Winter Million weekend there, and, and the ground, I don't think anyone could have walked around it properly. You'd have just sunk in it. It was just absolutely horrendous going. But up at Newcastle, going to forecast, good to soft, and I think Danelio Denari, number 16 in the race, has got a very good chance in the Ida there. He's priced up at around 8-1 to one at the moment, and uh, will be well worth having an each-way bet. I think Sky better pay in like six places on the race or something silly there. So uh, just check out your each-way terms and have a nice weekend on the bets that we've got there for you. And looking at the uh, Racing Post uh, page, uh, I see that uh, already Danilo Dairy, or whatever you pronounce it, is... He's gone from sixteen to one to twelve to one to ten to one to fifteen to two. So that's today. Yeah, he's, he's certainly got the form there, and uh, as you say, like he won three in a row, and he won all three of them very easy. And one of the lines formed back in May, he beat a horse called Max Dynamo, and we was on Max Dynamo, you know, last week. Uh, Emma Baker's horse, who's won his last three in a row at Wincanton. and this fella's beat Max Dynamo twice. So if he runs around on that sort of form. He's going to have an absolute fantastic chance of winning this race. And there was another one, uh, I think he was running at Warwick on Tuesday, and it was called Felton Bellevue. And that run behind, that was seven lengths behind Max Dynamo at Wincant and two runs back. And he come out and won by 15 lengths. So uh, anything with Max Dynamo in the form lines at the moment is absolutely bolting up. And as you say, Danilio Derry has beaten Max Dynamo twice on the 8th of May and the 19th of May last season last year so uh, certainly shows uh, credibility of the form there but as you say he pulled up last time out at Lingfield but you can put any excuse you want down there the horses was absolutely crawling home in every race of the winter million weekend on that going there so uh, I can see why there's been a lot of money for him and 8-1 to still represents a nice bit of value there really absolutely well thank you David that's brilliant and uh, yeah let's hope we have a good day tomorrow well, that was Dave Wilson, of course, and now it's time to catch up with... Yes, you guessed it, it's the cheeky chappy, Colin Brown. Well, good evening, Colin. How are you today? Yeah, well, pretty good. Thanks very much indeed, Aidy. Some great racing to look forward to the weekend. But um, as we were just chatting just now off air, you know, very sad. Um, if any of uh, any of your listeners have got any friends and relations in, in Ukraine, I mean, that is just terrible 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 happenings there and it makes the racing look like you know not very important is it really but um, mm. anyhow we're on the friday show and we're going to try and find the listeners a few winners so the first winner i think is at chepstow in the 1235 it's a called tango tara it's trained by nichols it was second to jpr1 quite a decent horse of tizards actually that um, ended up running quite well the other day at newbury and um, it's uh, actually didn't run that well, but he had won the time before Taunton, and the form's not bad. So I think he'll win the first Tango Tara in the twelve thirty-five at um, at at Chepstow, and I think he'll win the one o eight with Hacker de Play. It's also it's written by Angus Chalida for Nichols. He's got top weight. But he's got some quite nice form, and I'd be surprised if he didn't show them a clean pit pair of hills. Hacker <coughs> does play in the 108 at Jepstow. Well, we're 
rolling on through this, aren't we? Oh, oh yeah. It's pretty easy, doesn't it? I'm going to give the 130, whatever it is, 43, a bit of a, 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 a push because um, I'm going to move on down through the card a, a couple of other races that I'm quite interested in. Now, Old Ballyandy has been a great horse over the years. He happened to win it and take it on the other day. He's tumbled down the handicap from, you know, what he used to be. And uh, there's a lad called Finbart Lambert who takes £10 off, which is a really big help for this horse. And uh, the reason he takes £10 off is he hasn't ridden more than 10 winners. And he rides, and he's actually um, attached to the Twiston Davis yard. So I think this one can win... Um, the 218 at Chepstow. Do you know, I don't like these silly new times, do you? I gather that every week you make some sort of reference to them, don't you? <laughs> well, you know, we used to have 2.30, 3 o'clock or 3.05, now it's like 3.28. And what they're trying to do is not have any race laid off. But, yeah. you know, it's like, right, you sit down and look at it, what's this all about? Anyhow, Chepstow 3.28, there's a horse called... Uh, Ivan Noble is so consistent. He just, oh, it, well, he's been the bridesmaid three times, four times in the last six months. And uh, he should really go to the wedding today. He's only rated 90, a pretty lowly rated. And I think Ivan Noble the one to beat. So um, Ivan Noble, number six, 328, Chepstone. Righty-ho. Uh, right, did I have anything written down for the last couple of races there? Not for the four o'clock, as a sensible time, or the 4.35 is uh, National Hunt um, flat race here. No, I had nothing for that, so I'm going to move on, if that's okay with you, to Newcastle, why I, man? Okay, Pat. Have you ever been to Newcastle? No. Have you really? I mean, I would have thought a man of your calibre would have sort of been to Newcastle many times, like on stag nights and stuff like that. No, not at all. The closest I've been to Newcastle would be probably the airport. Well, the airport in Newcastle? Yeah. I'm just what are you doing there, then? Well, I, we flew. I remember we flew one year. We had to play... Uh, was it Hartlepool? And oh, yeah. memory serves me, we flew into Newcastle Airport, I think. Yeah. Um, and the closest I've been is either Hartlepool or Newcastle uh, or Middlesbrough. I've been to Middlesbrough, but uh, right. yeah. So there you go. So right, we're on the one thirty-five here. No, we're on the two forty-five there. And uh, there's a horse that ran really well at Stagefield the other day. Not a bad run before that air. <clears throat> um, is a winner at market race of a, national, of, of a maiden hurdle and uh, it's called Fairfield Ferrata and it's trained by Jed O'Keefe pretty good trainer this man and uh, I think that will win the 2.45 at Newcastle ok um ooh, ooh. right ooh now, there's a horse, a big price running in the Ida Handicap Chase. And this is a race where, you know, they really have to stay. You need someone that stays here longer than the mother-in-law. Yeah. It's four, four miles, one and a half furlongs. Mm. And there's a horse that's just coming back to form, in my opinion. And it's called, 
Domain Delisle, and it's horse. Uh, it's a horse that's got top weight in the race. It's ridden by a guy called Jack Wildman, who claims seven pounds. He spent a bit of time with Gordon Elliott, Jack Wildman. But for any of your listeners that might remember uh, the old um, the old cafe right in the middle of Lark Hill many years ago, Jack Wildman's granddad uh, had that cafe, old Bill, and then his dad. Um, Chris Wildman trained out there. They had plenty of winners, you know, over the years. They trained some blooming good winners. And anyhow, all, well, Bill's dead, and I saw Chris the other day, and his son Jeff Wildman's a jockey and rides for um, Emma Lavelle. Not and a lot of people really, know this, you know. No, not a lot of people would know this, but no. if you look it up, no. you'll find them. Wildman, not a, not a very uh, common name, Wildman, really, not like no. Hopper or Brown. No, um, no. So look him up, nine to one, number one, Domaine Delisle, dropping down the handicap, big chance in the eye of the chase up there. Well, you reckon even with 11 stone 12 on his back? Four, yeah, but he claims seven off it, you see. Well, even so, four and a half, four miles, one and a half furlongs, that's asking a lot, yeah. isn't it? But it is, <coughs> but the reason he's got 11, 12 on his back is because he's the best horse in the race. Yeah, gosh. All right, well, we'll see. We'll see. Right, next race, 4.25, a mate of mine owns a horse. He owns about 13 horses with Michael Scudamore. It's called Do Your Job. It was second last time at Donny, beaten 30 lengths by third time lucky. He was never going to win on the day, but I think he can bounce back today. That was a grade two race. I think he'll bounce back today. So 4.25, number one, do your job. Okay. Right. Right. Let's Let's go flat racing. I love flat racing. Okay. Where are we going? Although for? I was a national jockey, I really, really like flat racing. Mm-hmm. Right, so where are we going flat racing then? Kempton? We're going... No, because Kempton's jumping. If you've done your homework. Well, um, I haven't not yet. Flat... <laughs> <laughs> flat racing's at Lingfield. Oh, right, Lingfield, and, right. Uh, I think Mary quite likes a bit of flat racing. Um, you know, she doesn't like to see horses... Yes, sometimes they tumble over, but they normally get up, you know, to be honest, and, uh, and they do enjoy themselves, Mary, jump, you know, jumping around, and you get a fauna, it always follows the field round to, to the end, um, so I think they do like it, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's um, you know, it's what, what they're bred for, what they do, basically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, um, there we are. Anyhow, Mary probably like a couple of bets on the flat. So I hope you're well, Mary, and have a little listen in here because we've got a couple of tips for you at uh, Lingfield, Lingfield Park. Um, right in the in the um, one thirty race set, there's a horse that I picked out at Windsor about three years ago, and this horse was well bred, blah blah blah. And I went to Windsor one evening to do hospitality. And I said to everybody, this has had three runs, and I think it's a certainty tonight. It was rated 55 for Sousa Rhoda, and it won at 4-1, to one, well backed, on the 29th of April 2019. So that was three years ago. And I think it's progressed, and it's now rated 102. So it's gone up in the weights by about £52. And um, it's called Tone the Barone. I don't think it'll be far away in the 130 at Lingfield. Tone the Barone. Tone the Barone. 
interesting stories tonight, haven't we? We have, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So, Kieran Fallon writes Hegesis Alan Quir. Lord North, um, written by Havlin, the favourite for the Winter Derby. But Alan Quir's got some fantastic form. The one beaten too far at Longchamp last time. Second in Miss Rific York. Third to Hurricane Lane in the Irish Derby. It won the King Edward the Seventh at Royal Ascot, and I think it can win today. So Alan Kerr in the two o five at Lingfield Park is a damn good horse, and he probably has got Lord North to beat. But for me, Alan Kerr wins the Derby trial at two o five at Lingfield Park. Okay. Right, yeah, some tough old racing, yeah, but. I tell you what, at Lingfield, drawn to Ross Ryan rides at four, um, is boss Richard Hammond. There's a horse called Oh, This Is Us, and he takes on the best horses almost in the country or the world, whatever you want to call it, um, every time. He's about nine years old, but he always comes up at a big price. And I just think in this race, it's not that strong. He could just do the business. Trained by Richard Hammond Jr. Oh, this is us. 2.40 at uh, Lingfield. Right. Getting interesting, isn't it? Getting interesting. Uh, right. We are going to go jumping now, Adrian. Uh-huh. And that is at Kempton Park. And at Kempton Park, Coral are sponsoring the whole card. I'm working for them. Um... There's a couple of races on the card that I've won in the path, the Pendle Lovers Chase, the Dovecote Hurdle, and there's a race called the Coral Trophy, Grade 3. Well, I'm going to call it the Racing Post Chase, because that's what it has been for about 30 years. And I won on the West Country Horse trained by uh, Billy Williams and Rod Millman, one of your, one of your gang. Uh, him and I used to share the ride on it. Um, but I was lucky enough to get on it the day that it won the race in post-chase, grade three at Kempton. No, so one on old school Coombs Ditch back in the day. So it's very, very good racing here on Saturday. And uh, let's have a quick look at the 115. I'm just trying to think if I marked anything down. Wait a minute, what about the 337? Where? No, I'm not mentioning that. The 115. Oh, I thought we were going to do the 337. No, no, I was just talking about it. That's all. Oh. Warming your listeners up. Um, in the 115, there's a horse called Patraculus. Just got up to win at Leicester last time out. That'll do him good. He was, wasn't fit the first time he ran, but I think he'll win the first. So, uh, Patroclus, um, yeah, 115 is over two miles and four, four furlongs at Kempton. Right, oh god, that's some good racing here. We've got the Adonis hurdle now. This is often a sort of pointer towards the triumph hurdle at Cheltenham. Got some very good horses running near the day. And there's one horse here trained by uh, a mate of yours, Norton Harris, who has just done nothing wrong. He, I mean, he wasn't, I don't think he was a fantastic flat horse, was he? He wasn't bad. 80s rated, I suppose. He was with Andrew Balling. But he's done nothing wrong. He won at Central, Kempton, Charlton, and Doncaster. Beat Porticello last time out, which came out and won 
at Donny last time out. That is very good form. Um, Porticello came out last weekend and won. I think we tipped him. He won the Coral Finale at Chepstow, a grade one race. And this horse, I think, could go on and win the Triumph Hurdle. He's called Knight's Salute. So that's the winner of the Adonis Hurdle at 150 at mm. Kempton. Okay. Here we go. Right, on to the 225. Uh, do you know what? I think Fantastic Lady will probably win about 4-1 to one for the Henderson Yard in good form and um, done nothing wrong. So that's the Pendle Novices Chase. Of course, Nicky Henderson trainer. He used to work for Fred Winston, who trained Pendle many years ago. On to the 3 o'clock, the Duffcote Hurdle, a very good race. And the winner is... Sure, shall we have one more? Trained by Gary Moore. Josh Moore rides it. Really good horse, owned by the people that owned Goshen that won last week at Wincanton. And I think that will win. Shall we have one more? Number six in the three o'clock. Under the 337 race, and that's the race that you said, I thought we were going to go on to that one. But uh, it's going to be a really, really good race, this one. And. It's the Coral Trophy, they call it. Um, what wins it? Well, gosh, it is a blooming hard race, Eddie. Mm, Have you got any ideas? Well, <clears throat> there's just a couple of local horses. I see that Layla, yeah. um, Bryony Frost, yeah. is on it for Paul. Now, she used to be, he or she, whatever she is, um, used to be trained he at uh, Crewkern, would you believe, with Co Kaylee Woolacott. But I see they've moved yeah. it now. And since uh, she went to... Paul Nichols. I noticed uh, she seemed to run quite well. I know she came sixth, but it looked like a reasonable race until she just ran out of steam. So I'm thinking maybe it was you know first race under the new trainer or something. I don't know. So I thought that might have been big breakaway. Of course, is Colin Tizard's, which I think could have yeah. a chance, and also yeah. Felix Way, Harry Fry's yeah. horse. So I, I um, you know, I'd go for one of them probably. And that's my selection. Good jockey, uh, Kevin Brogan. Uh, one nicely last time I had an Asker, and uh, well, I think yeah, I think it will win. That's because um, that, uh, the horse that beat Fanny and Desperville was third to Packer de Dairy in the um, Betfair Grade One uh, Asker Chase last weekend. So yeah, I am all the way with Phoenix Way in that race. Have a quick look at the 410. I'm not sure I really fancy anything here. Um, no, I don't. And then the 445, sure, to be a bumper. Uh, do I fancy anything here? I don't notice anything down. Well, oh, well, um, <clears throat> what's the name runs a bumper horse in the race? Uh, Nichols called Spargo. And it's owned by Malcolm Denmark. Um, he has a lot of good horses here. The awesome Monsignor got one at the festival a few years ago. But I don't think it's... Yeah, I, I don't know is the honest answer. It's half of the two losers. Um, so I ain't going to put it up. So, yeah, no, that's my lot, to be honest, for, for a Saturday's race. Excellent. OK, Colin, that's fine. You have another sip of that uh, lemonade you're drinking and um, enjoy, yeah, I do that. enjoy the evening whilst... Um, I will. Yeah, you know. And I shall, uh, I shall be working away here, making sure that the racing show is all set to go. Did a really yeah. interesting interview today, which will be going out 
in the next couple of weeks. It's with a bloke called Jamie Reed, and he wrote a book called Doped about the oh, yeah. the doping uh, scandal back in the early sixties, very early sixties. Yeah. Yeah. What a book! It's really interesting, and uh, is it? it is. Yeah, it's, you listen to this this chap. Um, told a story of the book and all the rest of it well worth listening to um, and i'll let people know when it's on probably in the next couple of weeks uh, but no very interesting very interesting I, i've got that book actually uh, but i've never read it and i took it out to sweden at christmas thinking i'll read that when i'm out there I never did mm. so i can't put my hands on it now because it's out in sweden but um, when i go out there next for a week or two i will have a good old look yeah no it's worth it. it's interesting and, and amazing that uh, you know at the end of the day whenever us blokes have a problem is always a flipping woman at the end of it, isn't it? You know? I don't know. Well, it was, because this bloke, Bill Roper, who was the head of yeah. this this sort of... He met this, this girl from Switzerland, right? And she was apparently a bit of a stunner. And right. uh, somehow she was obviously uh, opening up shops here. They're selling um, skin products and stuff like that. And uh, she was obviously... You know, and he was obviously, he was older, so of course he was absolutely yeah. plied her with spending all the money. Of course, he ran out of money and he had, he needed to get some money. He was a bit of a bookmaker, I think. So, of right. course, he started uh, he started doing this doping and one thing led to another and he ended up getting banged up for it. So, you okay. know, there you go. Interesting story. It's worth listening. It's really worth listening yeah, to yeah, and, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. and reading. So there you go. I will, and when will that be on your program? Next couple, next couple of weeks. And we've we've All also right, got everybody know. Nathan Jones. We've got on as well, who's the uh, manager oh, of, yeah. of um, Luton Town, who was yeah. manager at yeah. Stoke City. Um, he's he's a he's another interesting character, and Nathan is a friend of mine as well. But that's neither here nor there. So uh, okay. yeah, we've been getting some good people on lately, so it's good. Sounds good to me. Fantastic. Mm. Okay. All Have right. a good weekend. And you, and we will speak again soon. Well, there we go. The cheeky chappy Colin Brown brings to an end this edition of the Bresbat Racing Show. So thank you very much for joining us. Please join us again next weekend on Friday, same time, same station. Goodbye. Yay!